Hi, I'm Jen. I love watching horror movies. I also have PTSD and I go to a lot of therapy. I'm Lara. I have anxiety and depression and love having the shit scared out of me. Wait, what? I'm Mike. I'm a therapist and I love talking about horror movies and mental health. <laughs> we love horror films for how much they scare us and for how much they help us. Because we love talking about mental health, aka how crazy we are, and the role the horror genre can play in our self-care, we started a podcast called Psycho Analysis. Every episode, we talk about a movie and how it relates to a different topic in mental health and wellness, whether it's a deep dive or a shorter episode of a movie that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. But not in a weird way. Unless we're talking about hot horror sweaters, because then it is very weird. True. Very weird. <laughs> Our episodes drop every Thursday on the Consequence Podcast Network. Listen to find out how, how horror can, can heal. Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. All in the name of oh, All in the name of oh, All in the name of oh. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome another episode of the losers club a stephen king podcast i'm your host for today michael monroeville mall rothman but i'm also not here alone i'm not your only host uh here with me is this is jen franny adams and i cannot wait to talk about my favorite character today i know and you do get to talk about your favorite character a little bit more because you know as we discussed in our last recap episode uh the circle closes I mean, that might be the last time we talk about Franny for a very, very, very long time. But this is kind of a nice little bonus episode because as we teased in that recap, we did get to speak to showrunner Benjamin Cavell again. And uh, we talked about a lot. Um, we talked about Stephen mm -hmm. King's new coda. Um, we talked about uh, Vegas. You got to talk a little bit about Franny with him, which I think Franny. he enjoyed. Um, yep, and the well, because, you know, oh, yeah. I'll go back to that well over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> no pun intended, but uh, or no, actually, no. <laughs> maybe pun intended. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But we, we talked about a lot and, you know, we got to talk about some deleted scenes or maybe mm -hmm. the, maybe some scenes that, that were cut and maybe, you know, whether or not you get to see him again. And there's a lot of stuff that we got to, to discuss. So instead of just us blabbering about it, why don't you <laughs> just jump ahead and listen? Because uh, it's an actually fairly long conversation. We, uh, we, we yeah. initially were going to go for 30 minutes but we ended up talking for i think close to an hour so um yeah so enjoy the conversation and we'll see you on the other side hello hello hey how you doing i'm Hi. great how are you good 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 great to talk to you again this is uh it's yes. no back at you <laughs> it's wild <laughs> to think that it's already reached its end. I mean, I guess just that's just life in itself. Was, you know, I uh, believe me. I know. <laughs> uh, so how does it feel? I mean, now that we're at the end, it's December feels actually December still feels like it was just yesterday. Uh, the whole premiere, everything just feels like it's yesterday. But does it has it been, you know, like a blur for you? Yes, yes, and I December also in some way feels like it was about a thousand years ago. I mean, the amount of <laughs> The amount of stuff that we've been through since December. Um, 
but yeah, no, listen, it, it, it does, you know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing with these, these sort of limited event series and the, you know, the, the pros and cons of kind of releasing them all together or releasing them one at a time. And I, and I go back and forth on it, frankly. I mean, I, I think there is something lovely about releasing them one at a time and trying to sort of have this, this shared ongoing experience as everybody sort of waits for the next one. But, you know, the, you're, you're crafting the thing as, I mean, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, these, these event series, it's like a 10 hour, nine hour, eight hour, I mean, nine hour in our case movie. Um, and then to sort of release it piecemeal when you've crafted it to be, you know, a full, a full piece of work, um, mm -hmm. you know, that that's funny too. So it's just, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see, to see what the, what the differences are and what people sort of make of it as it, rolls out one by one you know sort of each each chapter and then when they when they see where it was going it's like oh maybe they maybe they have a different feeling about what came before it's just interesting oh yeah no i mean i've i've noticed that with uh when we rewatch i mean when i whenever we got to the next chapter i would always rewatch the one beforehand um just for added context and it really does kind of change your perspective once you've actually seen the next chapter so i do think mm -hmm. that there is value for and I think a lot of actual fans and constant readers are definitely going to be waiting to this last week to finally binge it all. I know I've been seeing that in a lot of our discourse online, of uh, just being like, "Well, I'm waiting until it's all out." You know? Yeah, it does so, seem like that's the way a lot of people are sort of deal. You know, I, God, I mean, how can you say enough about how all this has changed people's viewing habits? But it does seem like, you know, it does seem like even even with the places because not so many places are dropping them all at once anymore. I mean, obviously yeah. Netflix does and, and a couple other, but even, even with the sort of one at a timers, like, I don't know, like Apple, like, like all access or Paramount plus or whatever will be by the time this interview <laughs> <Yeah>. runs. Um, <laughs> no, but, but it, it does feel like people sort of make their own, uh, you know, full drop, right. They're like, Oh no, I'm not going to start it until they're all available. And then I'm just going to binge it. Like I do, Stranger Things or something, which is, again, you know, completely, obviously valid um, and even an interesting way to watch. Yeah, no, it's 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 fun to be part of, you know, this moment when the industry and the the sort of the, the way people consume these these things is is changing so much. And also to see how much of it stays the same and how much of it is still based on the the rules of a drama and stuff that, you know, that that Aristotle was was writing about. Seriously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how it's boomeranging uh, again, because, you know, obviously with the Netflix model when, you know, starting with like House of Cards and yada, 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 it did really kind of feel like, all right, well, we got the binge mode going on. But you're right. Like, over the last year and a half, or I guess Disney Plus was really big on it because the the whole you know rolling out of the Mandalorian and now uh, even with like WandaVision, sure. I think there I I do think that the industry has like been able to see the value in going back to that week to week because obviously the discourse and the commentary is just it just keeps going you know as opposed to. You know, you mentioned Stranger Things. I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. I just remember too. after that Fourth of July weekend, 
it was like you know you'd see little whispers of it here and there after that but for the most part like it was like an explosion and then all of a sudden it stopped and mm-hmm. so i do th- i think there's like an interesting middle ground there which um for me personally covering this week to week has been a joy because it's it's made it, it it's made it nostalgic for me um and mm-hmm. i think that good that nostalgic is also tied in the idea that we're able to kind of take this through piecemeal and and get the themes and in, in, in arcs um in a, in, a, in a little more fascinating way i think you're able to meditate it with that, that i think is important to do um mm-hmm. especially with a you know source material as uh, dense as, as this yeah um, no no question and and certainly our you know our hope our goal and i think you know our our success has been that i you know i i think there's a lot to to unpack and to sort of discover you know about the episodes that that may not be completely obvious on a first watch or may not be completely obvious when you know I, I, I don't know like I guess like any good work of fiction or good movie that you know there there is a level on which you enjoy it the first time and then when you go back with the context of of everything that comes and you kind of, you know, dig into it again, that there's, there's more to be discovered. And that's, oh, I, I don't know. I think that's what, that's what you're aspiring to, I suppose. Uh, oh, totally. As, totally. A, as a creator. And yeah. I think especially when it's a story that a lot of people know so well, you know, I know sometimes if there's a difference to the story, like I need a little time to unpack it and then really look at what the changes are doing, you know? And so I think it's been really nice to kind of be able to, to step back after an episode and just unpack what it was, you know, and kind of let it work on me and also to be excited for the next episode. You know, I agree. I agree. I, I do miss that about the binging. I mean, I guess you're excited because at a certain point you have to go to sleep and you're like, all right, well, I'm <laughs> right. excited to watch this tomorrow, <laughs> but, yeah. but no, no, I, I do like, I, you know, I, I don't know at the when when Lost was at its height. Uh-huh. That's what I always kind of come back to. Just how uh-huh. excited I was when there was going to be a new episode of Lost, and just how much I was looking forward to it and speculating about it. And I, you know, and listen, I think Game of Thrones became like that. Uh, you know, The Sopranos became like that. But yeah. you know, these things that I I don't know. I guess it's 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 a fairly rare thing in this day and age that everybody is kind of anticipating and waiting and and watching something at the same time but when when something hits like that and really becomes i don't know part of the cultural conversation and part of sort of what what everybody is thinking about and and picturing and wondering about um that's really fun i mean it's mm-hmm. it's yeah not i'm by the way i'm not saying that that we we are that or that we're we we have a sort of lost level of you know, uh, fan anticipation, but I I see that there is no matter how fun it is to binge stuff, there is value in that. You know, just that that collective anticipation and that collective experience of waiting oh, for yeah. something until it becomes available, and then all you know jumping on it together. Well, it feels like you're on a road together, and I that's and right. I think that you know, and honestly, it's been a hell of a road that's been you know long and winding. <laughs> and the last time we chatted, I mean, we had actually not even gotten to Vegas yet. Um, and so, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about the coda, which is just absolutely gorgeous and, um, Mm -hmm. very, just lots to to unpack there. But I kind of wanted to go back just a little bit and talk about Vegas just because we didn't really get to, to hear from like the conceptualization of it, uh, from you. 
And I wanted to know um, what the discussions were like in adapting that version of Vegas and um, the differences you made from either King's novel or, you know, things that you brought to the table yourself. Like, what, what were the discussions like uh, in well, conceptualizing right. Sin City? I, so, you know, the I mean, I guess a big change we, we never understood that, you know, the in in the the book, um, Vegas is a place where drug use seems mm -hmm. to be punishable by, you know, horrible public death. And, um, you know, you, we actually see in the book somebody getting executed for for drug use and mm -hmm. that I don't know, maybe maybe that was maybe that played differently in 1978. I, I guess it just didn't feel like that would be something that a that a guy like flag would crack down on that that mm -hmm. at least he would be sort of advertising a kind of you know freedom but of course you know in in the style of an authoritarian you know freedom would equal uh, imprisonment i mean you know that mm -hmm. that it would be freedom within these these very narrow constraints but the the sort of the bottom line would be that you had to do whatever was best for him um and it, it, listen it was also very important to us that vegas that, that we that we not just discount all the ways in which vegas would have to be functioning as a mm -hmm. as a society that was providing services and that certainly are you know the the hoover dam and that you know finding dana there working and then sort of tying that and the power being generated there to the power being back on on the strip was you know that was very intentional as our mm -hmm. introduction to vegas and that that was a way in which we you know I, I think that really is in the book that this vegas society is not just a place of hedonism and debauchery but also a place where you know there there are schedules and people are working yeah. and, and you know that that in some ways life is at least early on easier than it is in boulder where mm -hmm. there's less kind of you know top down uh, just draconian control and so it's taking them longer to get the power back on and 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 do these things and make their lives easier um mm -hmm. so you know it was very important to us that vegas seemed like a place you know that we that we not just present Vegas as a place of evil, but as a place where you could actually see people potentially going and feeling protected and sort of cared for in the sense that they were, you know, they have power and they have food and they and there's a party going on for their for their off time and you know that 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 we not make Vegas seem like, oh, well, you would only go there if you are just inherently evil, but that mm -hmm. that we really get at some of the appeal of a guy like Flag, particularly in these in these circumstances in which these people find themselves in this in this sort of horror show that they're that they're thrust into where it's like, oh, well, you know, it, what what is the appeal of mm -hmm. a kind of charismatic strong man? I mean, I I think that's a question we've been asking ourselves in in the real world for for the last <laughs> little bit but but yeah. but not but but by the way and i and i and i don't even i'm not even just referring to trump i mean it's it, you know that that sort of leader seems to be ascendant 
or 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 at least has been ascendant for the last few years or, mm -hmm. or whatever around the world in a way that I don't know really seemed to have uh, seemed to have been on the wane um I guess after the fall of I don't know after the fall of the Soviet Union but but uh, you know that that authoritarian strongman cult of personality that has now taken hold in places like Brazil and uh, you know all, all all sorts of places. I, I think we we all felt that if we were making the stand in 2020, we just we needed to be getting at some of the appeal of of that kind of guy, yeah. um, and and what they're what they're offering and 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 how they're presenting the world. You know, they're presenting mm -hmm. the world as this very scary place, which obviously in the stand it is, and mm -hmm. they're presenting themselves as the person who can protect you uh, citizen from that scary world and actually carve out an existence that isn't just misery and fear, but that, you know, that has some, some pleasure and some entertainment and some, you know, some actual comfort in it in which you can go to a place with the lights on and music playing yeah. and yeah. Yeah, because there's an appeal to like being able to make the trains run on time, which I, and especially when it feels like the world is falling apart. Um, and yeah. I love how it, it feels like because he's leading through fear. And I love like we see with Lloyd um, when that fear like shows through. And I just think that's such a fascinating read, especially related to like what's going on in the world right now. And one of the lines that we noticed was when he's giving his big speech, Flag is giving his big speech. And he's talking about how Captain Trips wasn't the real apocalypse. The real apocalypse is these people, these other people trying to tell you how to live your life. And I thought that was so fascinating um, because it's just like a way of painting um, reality to suit flags needs and we kind of read that as like this like trumpian optimism and deception and like l really leading through fear again are, are we on the right page with that i i i think absolutely i mean i you know i i don't <laughs> I, I, look i i think that we were very aware of not wanting to have flag just be a trump avatar i mean i think that <laughs> mm -hmm. that would sort of reduce Re reduce the whole the whole thing and and not be not be really faithful to the book. I mean, uh, you know, he he he's not uh, a Trump avatar, but certainly, you know, there are these commonalities in how you know how guys like this characterize the world, and 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 I think you know I, I think it's this fundamental sort of difference of I, I don't even know that it's a difference of opinion, but it's just. It's just a, a different way of looking at nature and sort of the the natural state of things and thinking, mm -hmm. well, wait, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe there is not an equilibrium where, you know, everyone has enough and, you know, everybody is kind of rewarded based on their, uh, you know, their service or their the, the amount that they that they contribute you know, maybe, maybe flag has a point when he says, you know, mm -hmm. nature contains winners and losers, predators and prey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, obviously we as human beings have tried to, um, you know, tried to at least 
not be at the mercy of natural impulses and and natural equilibrium and we've made societies and laws and all sorts of things mm -hmm. but i you know i i do think that there is a strain um in in uh, yes certainly in in people who who support lots of these authoritarian regimes where they just think that the idea of everybody living together in harmony is sort of hopelessly naive and that yeah. you know that all that's going to do is let people who are you know ruthless in the way that nature intends kind of take advantage of you if you're if you're really trying to achieve this harmony that is just never going to never going to be uh, viable and mm -hmm. you know always going to be seized on by somebody looking to to have an advantage i that that that's just you know that that's just a a, a pipe dream and a recipe for for you to wallow in in horror forever you know mm -hmm. for you to for you to never end up in a in a in a livable life and uh, yeah i i mean that's a very it's a very uh pessimistic and uh, but not quite nihilistic um but certainly a certainly a pessimistic and depressing view of humanity <laughs> and of the world but i you know i don't know flag, flag never promised that he wasn't going to be at least a little depressing oh yeah <laughs> that's true yeah. well and that's yeah. and that's why i think the coda is so paramount for mm -hmm. not only for this story but even just right now i mean I, one of the things i kind of gleaned from it especially the second time around was just how much its themes of rebuilding seem to really strike home uh, mm -hmm. as, you know, as our country kind of similarly unifies in a way. And I wonder, you know, it, it's no secret that King is, you know, a little political, um, <laughs> I'd say. Sure. Uh, you know, just glance over his uh, his Twitter. I think it, it's pretty clear. <laughs> but I wonder, do you, do you think this was going on in his mind in, with Dakota, like that, that he was maybe trying to drill some of these themes in it or... Do you think it's just oh, coincidence? No, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> look, you know, it, it it is also true. I mean, as as you know, as I think you're you're implying. I mean, it is also true that he he had been planning a, a version of this coda at least for you know thirty years, and yeah. and the you know the the real genesis of it from then, at least you know according to him, and I. I I, I guess I'll I'll trust him. The 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 real <laughs> the real genesis of it for him was you know just that that Franny uh, didn't get to participate in the stand. You know she mm -hmm. she can't walk to to Vegas with them. Right? She's eight months pregnant when they leave, and you know therefore uh, she never gets to like actually confront the Dark Man. And and that just you know I know that always aided him because he loves Franny and felt you know feels that she is one of the you know, couple few protagonists of the novel. And so the fact that she doesn't really get to participate in the climax is is tough and and felt like a, you know, a, a I don't know, an an un, an unstruck uh, an unstruck bell or something, whatever, yeah. whatever that is. Had one o'clock half struck. But um, you know, it just felt like that was that was always a kind of, you know, a hanging chat for him. You know, it, mm -hmm. he he didn't feel like she had gotten a, a satisfying conclusion to her story. Yeah. Um and you know, so that's that's the the genesis of it. But I'm sure, and I'm and I imagine he would tell us that um, you know recent uh, events. I mean, you know, I guess he wrote it he wrote it for us in in 2018. Um, but uh, even by then, he was clearly responding to you know 
this this Trumpian strain in American politics and in American life. And I think, yeah, I think it, it, we can't we can't discount that as yeah. as you know something that informs how he how he portrays Flag, how he portrays you know her temptation and 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 Flag's appeal and and Flag's kind of I don't know just relentless uh, pursuit of of power and personal yeah. gain. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I particularly loved about the coda, and I'm a sucker for Franny. She's my favorite character in my favorite book. So I loved that she got to have her moment um, of choice. And I think it kind of updates the story because throughout the book, King writes, those things are all waiting around for people to pick them back up. And I think what the coda really shows is the things are all waiting, but there are still also people there who decide to pick them up or not. And I love that we see Franny get to make that choice. And that's kind of what I read as the purpose of the coda. Um, but I'm, and I have a couple more questions about that later, but I'm wondering what was the original ending? Was it going to end kind of the way the book does with them in Boulder? Well, I mean, we had always, I, I don't, I don't want to make it seem as though we had sort of written an ending and then, and then mm. we, we, we had always um, been talking from the beginning about, you know, King had made us aware early on that he had this, this new ending that he had been rolling around in his head now Mm -hmm. uh, you know there was a question for a while about whether he was going to actually write it and kind of trust us to to do it um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know we were certainly we 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 were always breaking the show leaving that open i mean we we felt like we wanted to you know to to be true to the book. And so we were going to end it. I mean, we, we had always kind of assumed that we would end it with some version of, uh, you know, I know this is a huge spoiler, but I know it's not running until the, everything's after out. The fact. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we had always figured uh, just because I don't know, I loved that, that ending to the expanded edition, mm-hmm. you know, of flag kind of, finding himself i mean i loved it for all sorts of reasons i loved it because flag finds himself on this beach and and approaches this this uncontacted tribe and i thought that was i thought that was so interesting and 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 so cool that you know of course there would be these pockets of the earth that really had never been touched by captain trips because they don't really have commerce with you know the the world outside of that but i also i also love that um, that flag kind of wakes up not really knowing what's happened to him, not really knowing kind of who he is, but having some having some idea, but not a kind of complete memory of uh-huh. of what's just happened. I, I I love that. I mean, I love that he is both. It, it, it sort of highlighted him for me as not all powerful, which you know King is is always at great pains to to remind us you know in in the book that there are mm-hmm. these things that he that he doesn't know or that he can't do but also also that he's relentless i mean that 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 you can never kind of just vanquish that kind of of avarice and that kind of self-interest and that i, I don't know that that kind of character and that strain of of humanity that is willing to i don't know exploit people's fears and 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 mistrusts and and you know to exploit some of the the worst and most base impulses in 
you know, in humanity, I, that, 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 that kind of person is never going to completely disappear. And you sort of, you have to be willing to confront them wherever they, they rear their head. Yeah. Well, and we get a lot of inclusion of Ka. I, I don't, I can't remember if you actually say the word Ka, but there's definitely mention of the wheel and the wheel keeps turning. Indeed. And that you just have to keep wearing, uh, and that the story doesn't ever really end, which I love. Um, and I'm just wondering like how you kind of see the coda as like a summation of the themes of the entire book. No, I, I, well, listen, I think, I think, I think you just put your finger on it. I mean that, well, but, but that there is no, I, you know, I, I so admire uh, about King generally, but, uh, you know, particularly in, in, in this context that, you know, y you seem to be building toward this kind of like, oh, we're going to, we're going to vanquish evil once and for all. Mm -hmm. But first of all, well, what what exactly is evil, right? I mean, the the that that mm -hmm. um, as is made very explicit in the book, you know that that nuke in Vegas kills the 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 wicked and the righteous mm -hmm. alike, you know, and and you know is is flag and is or are all of his followers just evil? I, I think I think that's I think that's too easy, and I think mm -hmm. you know I think that this this idea of a kind of constant and and ongoing never ending struggle against you know the the worst um and most divisive uh or divisive impulses of ourselves and of each other i mean i think that's that is the task i suppose that at least in king's mind that we that we set for ourselves it's like no it's not it's not enough to be good in the sense that okay you know you're gonna you're gonna take on the evil and beat it back and then everything's roses for mm -hmm. the rest of you know the rest of your life it's not it's not a little sort of you know as as harold says one stroke of cruelty or whatever it's, it sets everything right it's like no that's actually a very facile uh kind of misunderstanding of of life and of and of human history and of struggle. It's this it's, it's a constant ongoing uh struggle against the forces of of I don't know, charismatic authoritarianism and and people who would take advantage of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a he who walks behind the rose vibe in the cornfield, which I love. And that he like is always walking behind there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering if you were kind of leaning into some of the because, as you probably know, like he writes about flag in a lot of different ways. And <laughs> I do know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. And and look, we. I mean, the answer is of course. I mean, we were we were leaning into some of it, but we were also very aware of not wanting to, you know. And look, I don't know. You go back and look at the stand. It's like, did he did he know? when he was presenting the flag of the stand that 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 would also be the or or a version of that character would be in all these other places and have all this other context mm -hmm. I, I don't know i mean i suppose that's an open question but we uh, we we were very aware and talked explicitly about not wanting the audience to have to kind of know the the rest of the flag um I don't know the to, to not to have to have the context of all, all the stuff we we learn about flag and the dark tower and and just 
you know, not not to not to bring that to it, but certainly to allow that. I mean, that is our universe certainly makes room for that to be the same flag and for him mm -hmm. to, you know, have all have all those other appearances. And and as you say, I mean, there's there's certain parts that we are we are referencing um, in places. But but yes, it, but also we we very much wanted our our flag to be able to stand on his own in the way that the, the flag from the novel has to. Right. I mean, especially when yeah. the novel first came out and there there wasn't any of that other context, mm -hmm. certainly in a way that people could could learn about. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that that was something we were definitely explicitly aware of leaning into, but not leaning into too far, I guess. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's really effective, too. I mean, and oh, I love the idea that you, you kind of get to, you know, it's you know you have your cake you need it too with flag here and Skarsgård just really comes alive in this chapter particularly and i wondered if it was because maybe he was detached from vegas at this point you know like there's that there's like a little more laissez-faire quality to his <laughs> oh, right you know no i i think i think that's very true i mean I, you know the idea that uh, suddenly this guy actually i i figure even for these for these guys who don't take their responsibility as leaders seriously, <laughs> there's still something exhausting just about having to having to sort of manage. I mean, even even if they're doing it in a half-assed way, but having to manage that many people and that many, mm -hmm. you know, supposed loyalists and having to be so kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, having to be so on guard for any any hint of you know, of disloyalty or dissent. I mean, that there, there's something about that that sounds just exhausting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I, I like the idea of Flag, you know, sitting there against a tree, kind of like, okay, <laughs> yes, yes, he lost, but it's like, well, at least I get to take a breath. I mean, yeah, right. it's no. like it's like unemployed flag in a way. Um, <laughs> totally. Which is, which is kind of cool. I mean, I, I just, I love that about him. And it's, it's a, it really kind of shows a different side to him that we we don't really get to see so much in this the rest of the series because you're right like he is like all right we got the mission here i got to get this shit done <laughs> i got x y and z to hit um so I, that that aspect i thought was a lot of fun and i wondered if it was contagious from a writing perspective yeah no absolutely i mean look the the uh, you know i think and and we we certainly um tried to tried to be I tried to honor it, but but the flag in the book is really presented as an opportunist, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he's sort of he's been wandering the roads. You you have the sense, I kind of I, the roads of America. I don't know about forever, but for an an awfully long period of time, sort of you know, and then sees this opportunity in in this accident that happens in a lab. I mean, that's very true to to the book that he kind of seizes on the opportunity and makes the most of it, and that's. I think our, you know, that is our vision of of Flag as the ultimate opportunist who who, you know, sees sees his chance and goes after it with with his whole self. But mm -hmm. then when when he gets set back and it's like, all right, this you know, that that opportunity didn't work out and you need <laughs> to kind of regroup and whatever. He's you know that's that's okay too he he understands that he needs to restore himself a bit and and mm. you know no i i i love that and it was very yes it was definitely intentional 
Yeah. Because yeah. there's always going to be another opportunity, mm -hmm. you know. Well, that's right. I mean, that's potentially a wheel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I think I think that is that that is the what's behind Flag's attitude there is that, all right, you know, I OK, you win this round, whatever. Yeah. I, you know, I get it. I got hit by lightning. I got, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm biding my time. It's right. like shit, ha shit happens. It'll hit the fan again. And I'll yeah. be there. Yeah. No, exactly. that, and I'll be waiting. Totally. Well, I wanted to ask about something else that King uses kind of throughout his work is this imagery or symbol of the well, which I loved in this episode. And I was just wondering how you see the well relating to Franny's story and kind of as th of the series as a whole. Wow. I, that's a great <laughs> question. I mean, I, I want to, I want to tell you that I have a great, answer for it about uh, i don't know about the life-giving powers of of water and i i i don't know i i mean you know certainly look the the well as as metaphor has i you know that's been a a, a sort of a trope in in drama and in writing for a very long time and i guess you can you can see why in some way right i mean it's yeah. not not only digging into the earth for the kind of the the blood that is uh, you know the the key to all life right which mm -hmm. is water um but it's also you know it also becomes a a trap i mean you know it, it becomes something right you're 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 kind of going in there to get this uh, to, to get this life-giving fluid and then it becomes a thing that you can't get out of, right? I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that may not be a very deep version of the metaphor. And I, I, I am, I guess I'm a little, I don't know, I'm a little reluctant to kind of lean too heavily into the metaphor itself, just because I, I, you know, I, I, I cringe when that stuff comes through, you know, in a, in a, in, a drama in 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 a piece of entertainment when when the metaphors are too overt, mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean of course, uh, of course you're onto something. I mean of course the the well and the well in in King's oeuvre and the well in King's mind, uh, of course, is a you know a, a place I don't know a place of of that gives life and renewal and also a place of potential horror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, how how on hands uh, or hands on, sorry, uh, was King with the filming and the production of this, uh, or did he just kind of turn in the script and it was just like, go at it? <laughs> That's right. I mean, look, you know, Owen Owen King was. I mean, he was a producer and he was in the writers' room with us all the time, and you know, and he he came to Vancouver to, I mean, just to to visit for a bit and be on set and whatever. So, I mean, Owen was very involved uh moment to moment i mean king king himself you know uh, he look he he read all the scripts and and you know gave notes as he as he wanted um which turned out to be i i don't know not he he was really supportive and, and enthusiastic and in fact after he had read the first couple episodes or the first drafts that we that we sent him that's when he said okay i you know i'm i'm gonna write this this coda you guys clearly have a vision for this show and you clearly know what you're doing and i mm -hmm. uh, you know i 
yes, you guys are going to do this righteously. And, and, uh, you know, that was kind of, I don't know, that was, that was so reassuring to us that he was, you know, buying into our vision for it. I, you know, I think he, look, he's obviously he's had so many things uh, adapted and I, I don't, I don't mean to say that it's old hat for him because it's, it's not in terms of, you know, there, there are, there are these, these works of his that he really, I mean, I'm sure he cares about all of them, but that he really cares about in particular and that he knows, you know, are so resonant for people, right? I mean, he knows Mm -hmm. what the the ones are that have really just taken hold and that people have, you know, these these incredible long-term relationships with. So he is, I, I don't mean to say he's precious about the stand in a, uh, you know, in a, in a way that doesn't allow adaptation, but he's, he's precious about it in the sense that he's, he's certainly very invested in it being adapted in a, in, in a way that he can enjoy and, and get behind. I mean, he, he, mm-hmm. he certainly feels protective of it. Um, but no, but part of that is, you know, he, he's been through this so much that he knows that, look, if he's going to make it, the way he did with the first one, you know, and he's going to write every episode and whatever. Well, then that that is one thing. But if he's going to trust somebody else to do it and to to bring their artistic vision to it, that he he understands that you can't sort of be halfway in that, right? You can't just kind of, I don't know, from the sidelines, sort of throw grenades and 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 <laughs> you know have have sort of little suggestions that are, of course, because they're coming from you, enormous suggestions that everybody's mm-hmm. then scrambling to make work. But you know, you're you're not kind of keeping the the overarching vision in your head. So you know, one of the look, one of the great gifts he gave us was to say. I he actually wrote wrote an email to me at some point when I was kind of asking him, you know, well, do you think we're we're thinking about going, you know, changing this slightly, or uh, how do you feel about that? And he just, you know, he he had read however many episodes by then, and he said, you know, look, you clearly know what show you're making. It's great. It's it's you know, it, it's got this consistent voice. Uh, he he actually so he he ended it with "Go on with your bad self," um, which <laughs> which which I I cherish, but which 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 we uh-huh. took to which we took to heart. It was like okay, yeah. he you know he gets it. He's an artist. He's a writer. Uh-huh. He understands. Yeah, at a certain point, if if you have a vision and if you're if you're going with it, you can't you know you can't be in a position of sort of. I don't know, second guessing yourself or allowing somebody else to second guess you, you have to be, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be doing it. And him telling us, you know, I love, I love what you're doing. I mean, whether he loves every decision or every change is, is almost beside the point. I mean, Mm -hmm. and and kind of is beside the point. It's like, no, I, you know, I am behind this as a writ large as a, as a, as an artistic expression and an adaptation of my work and therefore go on with your bad self. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great button and it honestly really does work not only just for the series, but even if you were able to get something that was actually typed out and written in story format, I think it would really actually just wedge in to the book and especially with Mm -hmm. the actual code that we do get with, you know, flag on the island. Um, But looking back on the season, you know, just as a whole now, there's just so many arcs. And I wanted to ask, you know, just basically some like finish line, you know, final lap 
questions to you. And, and I, it's one, one of them is, you know, what arc do you think you're most satisfied with? Um, because there are certainly some main through lines here and, you know, those that we, we discussed in our previous interview. Um, but I'm just wondering what's the one that, that you think is the, it, from beginning to end, the one that you're most proud of? That's, that is a lovely question. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm very proud of, of Harold's arc, even mm-hmm. though I think, you know, I, I think a lot of that or much of that is there in the book. I, I, I guess I would argue that our, I, I think, no, I, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the way we, we rendered Harold's arc and, and, and Owen is, uh, Owen Teague is just, I, I don't know. He's brilliant. He, he seemed to, to me to show us like every, every emotion for Harold. I mean, every mm-hmm. little color on the way from where he starts to where he ends. I just can't say enough about Owen's performance. I'm also, I'm really very proud of Lloyd's arc because mm-hmm. I feel as though the Lloyd in the book, I, I, I don't know. I never quite, you know, when you meet him in the book, he is, he seems to be on board. Uh, you, you find him killing people who he's never met and really doesn't have anything against. I mean, that's sort of how you come upon him. He, he's, he's with Poke and Poke is the, is the crazier one, but Lloyd seems, you know, kind of every bit bought in. And then there's this moment late in the book when he resists killing Glenn Bateman. And I mm-hmm. never, I've never quite understood that in the book. Like it, it just, it, it never, he never seemed to have, he, we, we met him and he didn't have a problem with, with killing people that had never done him wrong. And listen, maybe that's a kind of arc where he goes from being completely willing to being, you know, uh, to, to resisting, but I just, I don't know, it, that was difficult to wrap our heads around. And I think with, with Nat Wolf, who I, I also think is brilliant and, oh, yeah. and was yeah. so committed to the part, I think we found, and, and actually, and with um, Taylor Elmore, you know, who's my, my partner who I, I brought in to kind of help me shepherd the thing through production, um, you know, Taylor and Nat and I really, really worked on, you know, creating a, an arc for that character that we all, that we all could stand behind and that we all could, could follow. And I think, I don't know, I, for me, at least we really get it where, where you totally believe uh, well, you believe how hard it is on him when he does kill Glenn, and then mm-hmm. you believe the the turn he makes uh, when he finally decides to defy Flag. And I'm also, you know, I have to say, I'm also, I mean, if we're talking about arcs, and uh, which is a, just a great question. I mean, I'm also, I, I'm, I'm proud of the way in which we make it explicit that, you know, the the strength of our protagonists and their their ability to defy flag and to defy him in front of his people really does seem to be part of what leads to his downfall you know yeah. that that it that it's not that none of it feels coincidental and that that uh, you know that trash can man isn't happening to show up at the moment that they're you know preparing to execute the the spies or the pilgrims or whatever we want to call them who have who've come from from boulder but that you know that these things are all tied together and that it is you know it's it's larry's strength and his sort of his you know his his kind of quiet defiance that Mm -hmm. starts to turn the crowd against flag and that it's you know they're turning against him and they're 
the the reduction of their adulation, which obviously we saw the adulation be mm-hmm. the fuel for his levitating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know that 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 actually drains his power. That he seems mm-hmm. to be gaining power from from their kind of blind love, and that you know that our protagonists really really do contribute to his defeat by by showing the the defiance that they do. Oh, yeah. totally. And I think that's kind of a through line in a lot of King's work is what is on the inside of these big villains that seem so over the top is totally. are they are they real inside, you know? And I, I love the the way you conveyed that. The moment where he starts to descend, it was one of my favorite moments of the season. Oh good. Good, good, <laughs> and good. I was, I was wondering if you had any other favorite scenes or favorite episodes or favorite moments. I mean, I love well, I just just along those lines, I love the scene of uh, Glenn and Ray and Larry in the in the jail cell and Glenn mm-hmm. saying, you know, Glenn saying the thing that I think is true, but that that, uh, you know, is that maybe you're not aware of until he says it, which is that, you know, crucifying people along the Vegas Strip isn't strength, that's weakness. It means mm-hmm. you don't trust the the rest of the people and you have to make these examples about what happens if if people defy you i mean i love i love that insight and i love the the character of glenn and the way Sam. the way yeah. greg yeah. uh plays it i just think is so right on but i mean look there are there's so many scenes in the thing i mean i love i just just because also we just watched episode eight i mean the the courtroom scene i i mm-hmm. can't get enough of but but look the the first scene of flag meeting lloyd at the mm-hmm. at the bars of the cell i you know the uh, larry and rita in the park i you know harold and fran in the basement when she's found yeah. the the bomb making stuff i just i their performances in that scene the dinner scene between harold oh, yes. and fran and Stu. <laughs> i i, I love yeah. And I yeah. love Jane. I mean, Jane. By the way, James Marsden. I, you know, it's <laughs> it's funny. You know, I worked on on Justified for six seasons, and I always would say, you know, that in some way, Tim Oliphant is. I, I mean, I don't know if he was the most underrated actor on tell, but I think people discount how hard it is to do what what those guys i mean i'm yeah. not saying that tim and james are the same kind of actor but to play that kind of stoic hero but to uh-huh. do it to do it with a real well first of all a real gleam and and mm-hmm. some real some real sort of some humor and self-awareness but also some some real depth and yep. and you know not just to be the kind of two-dimensional white hat you know cartoonish guy but to uh, you know to really convey it and to really have that that guy come through i think that's that is not easy and not a lot of people who can do it no and and he does such a good job with it here i mean like even in the walk when he's you know one of the things we noted in our episode recast is just when marston has to deliver you know you know the monologue of sorts to them to basically convince him to keep going you know it's so easy to sit there and and you know he's a hunk <laughs> to flex his hero muscle he could do that but the fact that he dialed it down to to kind of be the, the as you're saying like this the this hero that doesn't have the answers all the time but has the conviction like that's yeah. such a that is there's a nuance there that really is I think that people do take that for granted, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, he makes yeah. it look easy. I mean, that's yeah. the yeah. 
<laughs> you know, does. that's that's the curse. It's like, well, if you're going to make it look that easy, then people are going to think it's easy. But, I, you <laughs> right. know, at a certain point, they start to realize, well, wait, why can nobody else do this? <laughs> like, yeah. There are only a couple yeah. people I've ever seen be able to do it. No, he's, uh, you know, he's just amazing. And yeah. by the way, he also is, I, I don't know, he's one of the small handful of human beings who looks great in 4k hdr you know we got these crazy <laughs> monitors to make uh -huh. sure that you know everything was because obviously we had to cut this remotely and so we couldn't even go into a, a post-production facility so we oh, got wow. the you know we got this incredibly fancy monitor installed in in i mean temporarily installed in my house and our <laughs> vfx supervisors house and and yeah i mean it was just it was kind of a marvel to see that even at that level of resolution which is i i don't know that human beings are meant to be photographed <laughs> at but still even even then james morrison seems to have no pores and oh, wow. no, yeah. kind of, <laughs> no blemishes like what well, i don't understand i what what is happening here how right. can that yeah. be yeah. yeah james yeah. morrison and tom brady apparently are the two guys Seriously. on earth who oh are just God. never gonna age <laughs> you know all just just look more interesting and and sort of leaner and 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 cooler as they get older it's like yeah. well okay yeah i guess <laughs> He makes those Entertainment Weekly reunions uh, that much harder for everyone else. I oh, think. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. No question. Uh, well, well, you know, one of the things I also loved about this series is just the music. I mean, mm -hmm. we talked about needle drops totally. last time, but we've had some great needle drops since then. Um, and, I, and I've just been listening to the playlist like nonstop. And um, I think on like smoke breaks for me, I'm always oh, just playing on the stranger being like, you know, oh, look, it's flag. But um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite needle drop this season? The one that you're really proud of adding to the Stamler? Well, I'm certainly proud uh, for all sorts of reasons of uh, a brand new key that ends uh, episode two. I, mm. You know, and by the way, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I promise that we had it in the <laughs> the script as a just a comment on and because it's a fun song, but as a comment on flag giving giving Lloyd the key before we cast Heather Graham slash roller girl in <laughs> in that uh -huh. part in two. But I love that we ended too with the with the roller girl theme song for <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um no I love look I I'm frankly I'm very proud of the the needle drop at the end of nine. Um mm -hmm. I I just think Look, I think the stand, uh, you know, I think it doesn't play without a some sense of humor. I, I think mm -hmm. that that is one of the one of the wonderful things about King and one of the ways in which, uh, you know, King's version of an apocalypse or a post apocalypse still has some some fun in it, some like real genuine fun. And, uh, you know, so some of the needle drops obviously have a have humor in them um but i think that's that's faithful to the source material and of course i love uh you know well i don't know i i i'm just precious about all our needle drops i guess i, I love I, I you know i love where we fit in don't fear the reaper i, you oh, know, yeah. I know that was my every, favorite. everybody was kind of waiting for it and uh -huh. i mean i i i want you to know there were these discussions about well it's like everybody's waiting for it you don't want to give it to them right uh -huh. up front that feels weird but you know anyway we we i think we found a great place for it and his kind of 
his face. Cheshire cats. Oh yeah, yes. that's what makes like it. It's Joker perfect. slash Jesus Jim Carrey. I don't know what, but yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, no, no. I so I'm and and by the way, I I, I do want to mention. Um, oh, I, you know, there's also space song in uh, as they're crossing the bridge uh, uh-huh. out of a destroyed mm-hmm. Manhattan in episode two. But Susan Kent, our our music supervisor, I mean, uh, space song for example, she found you know, a bunch of songs, a space song I didn't even know, um, but she found and suggested a bunch of songs that are just, uh, that are just so good. And then also our, you know, our composers, I mean, Nate, oh, Nate God, Walcott yeah. and Mike Mogus. I mean, I, they did such beautiful work with the score and also, you know, they, they partnered with this guy, Duran Jones to write and and uh record baby can you dig and mm. I, I just i just think that version is dynamite I, oh i, I agree i love yeah. what they did yeah um, it sounds like a real hit i mean that's what we were saying when, that, when it plays exactly. the, it sounds natural like it doesn't sound yeah, exactly. like you know when you hear those made for t you know the made for the the movie soundtrack it's, it just sounds absolutely organic and i love God, I've been listening to like Franny writing like I think like oh, nonstop mm-hmm. lately. It's just like one of the most like gorgeous like there's some some beauty and mournful at the same time. Yeah, just really nailed it uh, mm-hmm. in terms of especially capturing that sort of um, rustic Americana um, aspects to it. I love it. Oh, yeah. but, um, Good. So uh, you know, th- I don't want to take too much too much of your time because I know that we've been we've definitely gone over. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, I, I did wonder, you know, last time when we spoke, um, you'd said that uh, you'd be interested in the Running Man, <laughs> and I wondered if you if this is your last foray into King's Dominion for now, or if you have maybe discussed returning to Stephen King down the road. Um, you know, if that's gonna you know happen. I mean, I I s- certainly have we have. I, I guess the answer is. We'll we'll wait and see. I mean the the <laughs> the I, you know I, I look I I mean I've loved my Stephen King experience and I I I really I mean I, I don't know I I can't say enough about him and how wonderful he's been throughout this. Um, so uh, the idea of you know doing something in the in the king universe again and and of working with owen king again because i uh, owen king turns out to be just a, a wonderful writer and and a wonderful guy but uh, you know and has a, just a great sense of of story and structure um yeah i mean you know the the idea of doing something with them again is endlessly appealing and the running man uh, i just i you know has been something that i've wanted to do since i was a kid since I since I read the the novella and and saw the Schwarzenegger movie and love the Schwarzenegger movie but mm-hmm. really don't see it as an adaptation of yeah, the Bachman no. Running no. Man. I mean, it's a you know it's fine. It is it is what it is and and right. it's and it's fun and it's cartoonish and it is you know great. But I, I don't sort of feel as though anybody has ever really adapted the Bachman Running Man. So mm-hmm. you I know agree. that would obviously I mean that that would be kind of beyond the. The dreams of avarice i you know i i i am continuing to pursue it i you know the the answer has been that there is at least talk or fantasy or whatever it is of you know paramount rebooting the the feature franchise so you oh, know nice. maybe maybe therefore they don't want to do it as a as a limited series but i to or, or or by the way an unlimited series i mean to me the that's what the running man 
calls for. I, I oh, sort yeah. of, mm-hmm. I, I think it's hard to really do justice to it as, as a feature. You know, I think, I think you really want it to be an ongoing story where you can explore this, you know, this incredible world that, oh, yeah. totally. that he's so, that he's rendered in, in, in that book. I just feel like that's a slam dunk. So yes, that, agree. I, I keep my fingers crossed. And obviously if that comes to fruition, I will, you know, talk to you awesome. guys endlessly. About <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, we can't wait. And I, yeah. and, and I guess I have one last question is that, is this the last of the stand? Is there any special plans for release like or maybe a, a, a like more cut like uh, bigger cuts of the episodes anything in the in the future that that fans can you look know, forward to well I, that's a that is a wonderful question i i mean there's certainly been talk about deleted scenes or expanded stuff i mean as you i guess as you as you uh, assume you know there's so much material yeah. in that book that you know i i that that obviously there was stuff that we just couldn't get into the show you know i go back and forth on it and frankly at at the moment there aren't plans i mean i i I said or and we said that we didn't want to put deleted scenes on the on the on the box set or in the box set and and in part because i don't know i you know this is this is the the version that that we made and the the cuts that we've made and the the one that we're presenting and like maybe maybe in a certain amount of time if people are are interested i mean we can certainly revisit and show some of the stuff that that didn't make it but i i I very rarely feel that that is additive i mean except I, i suppose except for people who are just you know who are studying the actual craft of it but like like Apocalypse Now, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm not the only one, but Apocalypse Now is one of my, my favorite films of all time. But I thought Apocalypse Now redo, uh, which I saw, you know, in the in the theaters when it came mm-hmm. out, I, I my my sense every with every scene that hadn't made it into the original cut, it was like, oh yeah, I, I get why they cut this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, most uh-huh. of the time, their the instincts are right. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to cutting room floor. Totally, and sure. the interminable, um, you know, the interminable alien, or aliens, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, not alien, but aliens. Uh, oh, yeah, the 45 minutes with or the, so, yeah. Yeah, with the family finding the thing, it's just like, right, I mean, you know, I I get it, and it's, I, I mean, I watched it and was interested in it, but I also felt like, oh, no, clearly, clearly the greater movie was the mm-hmm. the one you guys released and you yeah. were right to make this tough decision. And, and so, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I don't know, but, but at the same time, uh, you know, I've, I've gone and looked at, I don't know, stuff like, like, you know, that, that, you know, that, I don't know, the version of sun also rises that I, not to be too, you know, I'm not making these, these grand claims for us, but, you know, you look at the, these great novels that, you know, have big sections that are cut out and, and you go back as an interested reader and, and I, I suppose as a, as a writer and creator and sort of look at that stuff and, and, and potentially learn from it. But I don't think I've ever read a, or, or seen an expanded version of something and thought like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, this is the version that should have come out. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are a couple, a couple instances, but they're very specific, you know, where, where the, where the creative, like in, you know, like Brazil or, mm-hmm. 
or uh, um, you know, like Blade, Blade Runner, Runner or yeah. Blade Runner, or or where where the creator really felt like, oh no, this was this was compromised. You know, mm-hmm. these weren't choices that I made. This was compromised in the service of you know trying to make the material more accessible or or you know more I, I don't know to that 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 these were you know studio dictates as opposed to just you know no we we're taking our are you know we're being ruthless about mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff that just doesn't work as well and we're trying to you know tell a story and maintain our momentum and all that stuff so i maybe someday okay but, but not right away i don't think well we'll look forward to it yeah. <laughs> but, uh, until then we loved what we got this has been a yes. lot of fun um this entire journey has just been a blast and, and, mm-hmm. and what a way to end 2020 and begin 2021 so um thank you so much for for joining us not once but twice and yes we can't appreciate it enough benjamin thank oh, you well thank you guys what thank what a you. pleasure well we'll talk soon hopefully when we're lacing up for the running man <laughs> yes indeed right. oh fingers crossed yeah, yeah uh-huh. definitely well have a good right. one you too thank you guys thank thanks you. a lot bye bye, bye. Well, there you have it. We are officially closing the book on The Stand. Never going to happen again. We're not going to talk about this apocalyptic epic uh, in the entirety <laughs> of this podcast. I'm just joking. I mean, Jen, oh, yeah. <laughs> what, actually, what are the odds that we you, that we open? Well, I guess what are the odds that you open the book? Because you've read this book um, multiple times. So are you going to go yeah. back to it? <laughs> well, I'm kind of in the middle of it again right you now are. because, yeah, I just w- wanted to read it again because it's so good. It's been a couple of years Actually, maybe it's been about 10 years since I read it the last time and just watching it now and seeing like this new interpretation of characters for better or worse. But like, I really think a lot of the characters in the show have kind of those are going to be who I see going forward. Yeah, I think so, too. I, it, we, you know, we did our comps in the last recap, but mm-hmm. it is going to be I think a lot of it just is the sense of newness, you know, and the yeah. fact that like things are refreshing in my head. I'm, you know, I'd like to believe that there'd be like a hodgepodge of characters that when I read, when I, you know, eventually do dip back into the book, because I actually didn't reread it this year, uh, this past year for the, the you know, for the, um, the stand CBS. <laughs> you just relived it. I through. just relived it. So, and, but I did, <laughs> but the, I think the reason why I didn't reread it was because we spent so much time on those recaps mm-hmm. um, for the 1994 miniseries. So <laughs> I, I, I think at that point I was like, all right, I, I think I'm, I'm good, but that is, you're, but you're, down. yeah, yeah, but you're right. You are rereading it and. Uh, yeah. If you are still not getting enough stand coverage, <laughs> if, if the if the the eight hours or ten hour book episodes that we did weren't enough, the the multiple <laughs> miniseries episodes that we did last year weren't enough, and that God knows how many hours of episodes we did for the stand <laughs> recap episodes, and you still want to stay in this post apocalyptic world. The good news is that Jen is doing the recap right now. That's right. Reread. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. we have been sharing those chapters when uh, when you do post them. Uh, so you know, I, where are you at right now, currently? I'm on chapter I think 37. I just got to the chapter, the final cut in air quotes, where it's all the random people that didn't make it to oh, Vegas. That is oh, God, that is like one of my favorite bits of the. Yeah. Was that, that was that added in 
to the books after for the expanded version or was that I don't know we're gonna have to ask Dan Caffrey to confirm because I think he does have an original copy and whenever I can't figure that out I'm like hey Dan can you check your text please yeah yeah so I I think I'm trying to remember I feel like that does seem like it would be an addition because I know that the the roundup of deaths around Boulder uh were the ones that I think that was added back in too Mm -hmm. uh, which I love I just I I love when King can kind of you know go off the go off the beaten path a little bit uh, in his books mm-hmm. and give us some sort of side stories but um yeah you know here's the good news <laughs> Stephen King <laughs> unlike the puzzle I just bought which seems to duplicate multiple book covers of Stephen <laughs> King uh m- much to my chagrin uh we have so many books to cover in Stephen King's Dominion and uh we got two of them coming up we got Desperation and the Regulators those are going to be back-to-back that's episodes right. uh you're on those episodes which is going to be you know that's gonna be exciting I had to dip just because um I'm going to be focusing on another book that episode that you're going to be getting uh which is uh, a newer one none of us have read it yet uh it's called yeah. Later uh it's his Later. B- brand new book <laughs> so I mean after a long reprieve of not having book episodes even though we did give you two episodes of the Green Mile back in uh late November December so it wasn't too much of a reprieve but we're going we're going back to the stacks baby and mm-hmm. we got a lot of <laughs> books to cover so <laughs> Big time, yeah. yeah so it's it's very exciting and um you know and as always we're doing some side episodes we're going to be uh, uh dropping a special valentine's day themed bag of bones episodes which i'm recording Ooh. tonight that'll be fun uh and that's gonna be exclusive to patreon and if you aren't a member of our patreon please join us in the barons uh www patreon.com slash the barons and we're always doing fun stuff we're actually that's not even that's not even that's actually an understatement because we are doing a ton of fun stuff we're we're, yeah. we're doing zoom hangouts now uh which we've dubbed the the you know the mellow tiger mellow hour which is fun mm-hmm. um we're doing we have a whole discord channel which we're talking about things randomly all the time i think someone yep. i think one of the constant listeners uh called out the fact that we didn't get to see alexander skarsgård's dick uh this uh yeah this episode. i know <laughs> so always fun it's a stuff. wasted opportunity <laughs> yeah it is a wasted opportunity uh so yeah always lots of stuff going on here at the losers club so uh you know and you know at the very least you could follow us at facebook twitter instagram we're always posting some of that fresh content that randall likes mm-hmm. to call um and you know we don't ask a lot of you, but if you could, could you please give us some reviews on Apple Podcasts? You know, give us some bright red Pennywise Clownoses because, you know. Five, I, please. I, five. Five would be nice. I think we deserve yeah. it because, you know, look, <laughs> we are your favorite. We are your devoted. We are your only. Losers Club. Yep. So until then, until the next hour <laughs> or two that we get to spend on the mic together, uh, right. we'll be seeing you <laughs> over long days. And pleasant night. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want somebody to treat you good. Consequence Podcast Network.